Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am your co-host Cliff Schechter here along with the illustrious Mr. Aravosis. Hello, John. Hello. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about a number of topics today, which, which I will throw you away, but we are lucky enough to have a guest. We have with us Sarah Jones, Sarah Reese Jones. What would you rather be called, by the way, Sarah? Sarah Reese Jones or Sarah Jones? You know, I only put the Reese in there because there's 80 million Sarah Jones working in politics. So you Fair can just up. call me Sarah. It's fine. But the Reese Jones right, makes have- everybody think you're related to, like, the royals or whatever, right? It's kind of cool. Exactly. No, well, it, you know, right? and so that was, if I... It was a famous name with Diana and all of that, the Reese Jones somebody. I think that's R-H-Y-S. Eh. But I could change the way I spell this and then be really fabulous. So I think I might. Exactly. I think you should do that. Yeah. Right. The appropriate yeah. answer. I mean, the appropriate know, royal answer, adjacent. The appropriate answer is maybe. Maybe. Well, I'm realizing I haven't right. really well, even introduced. They just hear they hear this disembodied voice of a Sarah, and they don't know who we're exactly. talking about. So we well, don't they, like to, so my family doesn't like to talk about that. So Sarah, exactly. Sarah Jones. And Sarah Reese Jones here um, is the editor in chief of Politicus USA, which you're probably familiar with because it is a very, very well trafficked uh, and very good uh, site doing political analysis on the interwebs. Um, Sarah, in the past, for the very same site, uh, interviewed, let's see, or covered President Barack Obama, Vice President Joe Biden, interviewed Nancy Pelosi as Democratic leader, uh, was a Huffington Post contributor. And what I find really interesting about Sarah is that uh, she has lived in such locales as Los Angeles, Atlanta, and others, and chose to move for this publication to rural Pennsylvania, which is not the kind of move you find happening often. So she's freezing her butt off right now, as I am in Ohio, and John probably is in Washington. And welcome to the show, Sarah. And now a word from our sponsor. Make home your favorite new restaurant this winter with Omaha Steaks delivered straight to your door. Have you ever wondered what makes Omaha Steaks so good? It's the aging process. Cliff has. It's the aging process. Omaha Steaks are aged at least 21 days. That's where the magic happens. Try these mouth-watering steaks in the Butcher's Best Sellers package. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter the promo code VOICES into the search bar to save over 50% and secure exclusive pricing. Included in the Butcher's Best Sellers package are four iconic fork tender butcher cut filet mignons, four ultra juicy burgers, four savory pork chops, four kielbasa sausages, four rich and decadent caramel apple tartlets, and so much more. In addition to getting more than 50% off, you also get four more chicken breasts and four more of those delicious burgers for free. All you have to do is visit omahasteaks.com and type voices in the search bar to order the butcher best sellers package today save over 50 percent plus get four free chicken breasts and four burgers all from the company that's been bringing people together for over 100 years that's omahasteaks.com type voices in the search bar and i will just add that i even got omaha steaks for a family member for christmas because i was like they are pretty good all right cliff no not cliff ah not cliff i'm just signing off on the ad i'm so confused and So it's OmahaStakes.com. And now back to our show. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really excited about being on here with you guys, especially given everything that's happening right now. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot uh, to talk about, you know. And but I do want to mention my oh, go ahead. my royal oh, go ahead. connection. I just have to throw that out there before we get going any further. Because exactly. it's okay. not in my bio, as you guys mentioned earlier, just exactly. not something Maybe. I like to talk about. 
Maybe. Maybe. Actually, I was going to say Reese Jones. I think Reese Jones was the was the bodyguard. Am I wrong? Or no? I don't, I don't know, know, but I'll take it. I don't follow Royal stuff. Yes, Trevor, Trevor Reese Jones was Diana's bodyguard. And let's just say, I think he's the one who bears a resemblance to the boy. To Harry. Right. Oh, no. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, See, I, didn't, I don't even follow this guy, but I have been following it lately because of the whole Megan situation. Yep. Oh, and he was hurt in the, uh, in the car accident that killed Diana. Yes, I knew that. I knew that I knew that name. R-E-E-S. Well, he's an R-E-E-S. You're right. There is an oh. R-H-Y-S as well there, because I remember seeing that spelling. I think that's the fancy one, but, you remember, know. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, because we just, we changed our spelling. Exactly. Ellis upon. Island did it. They didn't like the English yeah, exactly. accent. Exactly. They no. didn't like my accent. It was a little posh. And so here I am. Yeah. Ellis exactly. Island changes everybody's names. We cut an H off of our name on, on the way in. I think we threw it overboard on the boat. Oh, that's Did right. Because like the second H? Yes. You guys? That's correct. Well, nobody right. needs another H. I mean. What, what do H's really do for you, honestly? Oh, exactly. hey, speaking, speaking of which, can I just throw in, and I don't want to like steal Sarah's time here, but so allegedly, according to one of the ancestry services, we keep like submitting the DNA. Yeah, I saw that. Keep... You're part Jewish, man. Well, maybe. It, it, they're claiming mom is 5% Jewish. And, you know, I don't want to, I love my mom, but I'm not planning on letting mom know that anytime soon. Um, but, but she's, you know, we're zero Jewish on all the other sites. This one says 5%. A genealogist got back to me on Twitter and said, actually, on the European Jew thing, the geneticists are actually really good. Like, like it's it's not one of those things where it's only five percent don't believe it. If they say you're Jewish, there's a pretty good chance. John, you but, thought you could keep us out of Greece. We sneak in everywhere. Okay? Well, see, and I always told people I was a Greek from Chicago, and that's why I'm the way I am. Being Jewish would just explain it all. It would. You and I can been. and I can say that because I'm Jewish. Apparently, see, you can. That's right. You get to make all the jokes now because that's five percent. Well, so actually, cool. Sarah, these are all the jokes we have Cliff make because I'm like, Cliff, you go ahead and do it. And then Cliff will make like a Jew <laughs> joke. And I'm always That's sitting right. back going, like, then I make the gay jokes. It's like, now we can make the gay and like the sort of immigrant yep. to Chicago Greek kind of jokes. And, you exactly. know, and... am I here to make the woman jokes then? Like, yes, that has to be you. Oh, we're not doing well, actually, And I think okay. because okay. of the nature of women jokes, we can't even say yes. That's right. I didn't say anything. <laughs> oh, I would we agree. Just, I would we just agree. Have to because, because, to go, you know, they can be mansplaining to me. Exactly. I'm not going to be mansplaining to people. Exactly. So, yeah. So, anyway, what go. are we talking about today? What are we talking about? So, we, we need to talk about Ted Cruz, who likes Cancun a lot. Mex- he, <laughs> there's so many jokes to make in there about him. Uh, and I, I don't, I mean, we have to make some of them. I still feel for people that are freezing because of the policies of idiots like him. Um, but of course, yeah, people, you probably know Ted Cruz jumped on a plane down to Cancun. Mobile um, in Texas don't have power, and many don't have water in Harris County, half, which is half do not have water. I heard today. And and Harris County is the world. third or fourth biggest county in the country. It's not a small number of people. It's millions and millions and millions of people. And um, just along the way, I want to you know. So we're going to talk about that with Sarah. Maybe we'll get into that in a second. I'll just tell people other stuff. Talk about, we're going to talk about how Biden did in rural Pennsylvania, where she is located, and other Democrats, and what hope there may be. We do have an open Senate seat race coming up in 2022, which is going to be very important. Um, and winning parts of rural Pennsylvania certainly help one to win. Um, we're also going to talk about um, the storming of our capital, the insurrection, the sedition, the treason, you call it what you will, where 138 police officers were either killed, maimed, um, had injuries of some sort, and yet no single Republican elected official 
has been held accountable yet. I suppose and, you could and say they're Donald, trying to Donald blame Trump Nancy, to a certain degree. In they're the trying House, to blame but, Nancy Pelosi now. Is the other right, crazy thing? Definitely had to be Nancy Pelosi, right? Yeah, right, right. Woman. Um, How about AOC? And I think is it's pretty much. Blame? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, AOC, they like pretty much she's to blame for it. Well, actually, I'm sur- yeah. good point. Good point, Sarah, because I'm surprised they haven't actually blamed AOC yet for this. They've simply well, made fun of her. She has to blame for what's for Texas, though. Oh, so that's she's right. Getting... She's got Texas. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. She's she can only. I mean, she's a superpower or a superpower. She's a, a she, you know, she's a, she is a she, superpower. She is a superpower, but even she can only handle so much damage in one in one day. You know, so we'll give Correct. her. Even though she's a, I mean, I think other... as a liberal, we that's what yeah. we do best is just destroy everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, she could possibly have done the Capitol and Texas, yep. but I think she was busy, like, pushing this new Green Deal, which apparently already happened, and none of us knew about it, to all the other states that have ever had any problems. Especially so, Texas, because Texas was an Texas, early adopter of the Green New Deal, of course. Well, don't, don't tell they anybody, were. guys. Don't tell anybody, but it was my lasers that did it. That's true. The Jewish I knew lasers it. Helped too. Yeah. yeah. I knew all right, it. So, so why don't we start? What do you want to Texas? start with, Sarah? I don't know. What do you think? Oh, geez. I think that Ted Cruz is the top of the game here. I think so. Although Let's, I do want to. Yeah. Oh, I just want to. Why? Because I'm completely off topic, but it bothers me and I'm burning with rage about it. Is the whole Capitol thing and how the Republicans, who were clearly some of them involved in the organizing of it, are still being treated by the media as people who, you know, are allowed to even have make statements about things unrelated to that. And I just find it com- so disturbing. I don't I don't know how we're going to survive as a democracy when this is happening. So I, it just can, I have We've to say it. These very conversations, you know, and, and it's important to have. And I think yeah. you've got insight maybe into that where you're based you know and maybe Let's... where I'm based, which is what, what can, can, you know, the, 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 the problem right now is that by the crazier you are as a Republican, the more you're rewarded. The incentives are completely screwed up. Um, and well, in any case, well, you, you want to just kick it to Texas? And, and why don't you yeah, start I, I was, with Texas? I would say let's start with the order that Sarah gave because Texas is sort of going on right now and impeachment is a little more of a retrospective. So let's jump in with the topical stuff first. And then, because I, I like to be producer on the show. It's my only thing I can control in life. Um, at that is my dog. <laughs> okay, my dog controls. It's a neurotic me. part of his. It's a neurotic part of his Judaism. Exactly. It, it, I cannot yeah, control exactly. my dog at all. I am, I am really surprised. Jewish, you know. Um, but no, let's let's maybe start with the Texas stuff. So obviously, Cliff had sort of summarized the big power outage in Texas as huge winter storms were hitting. The winter storms are now ongoing, below zero temperatures. People are without power. Mil- uh, millions. I, I saw like twenty six million or so without power. Half the state does not have fresh running water now. They have boil water orders. Um, uh, uh, people's homes were down to 38 degrees. One home a picture on Twitter showed that somebody woke up and their kitchen faucet, which had a drip, had an icicle hanging down all the way to a cup, and the cup was full of ice. I mean, it, it's, it's that oh bad there. Now, Ted Cruz, what we were saying, and then I'll maybe throw it to Sarah. Ted Cruz decided... Uh, with a series of text messages leaked with his family that, hey, maybe we should all just go to Cancun, you know, go to Mexico for vacation. They jumped on a plane to Mexico. They got caught. Cruz, his office initially wouldn't even confirm it was him. Then they claimed, no, 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 he was just going to take his daughters and drop them off. Because, of course, who doesn't 
fly to Mexico and drop off their kids. We later found out that was a lie. Cruz was going for the week. Uh, he got caught. Um, he in any case, changing his ticket yeah. the, the, the morning yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, so, and then apparently he and Heidi on some, they got ratted out by, I think, I mean, either family members or a group neighborhood chat, but they were telling other people that we're going for five days. It's so cold here. Yeah. And just a good reminder that everybody hates Tanners. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's throw it to Sarah initially with Cruz. Sarah, any opinions on Ted Cruz? <laughs> Oh, I, Ted Cruz is a, the bane of my existence, but, um, you know, I don't even know where to start because there's the hypocrisy level. So I'm just going to jump in there with the biggest surprise, actually, because I know a lot of people probably already saw all the, you know, making fun of him for all his hypocrisy. But the biggest surprise to me was when he admitted the truth and he even admitted that the trip was actually planned longer than his original statement led people to believe, although it was very carefully worded and, in fact, didn't claim that. But it's very unlike any Republican of his ilk to admit the truth. And so I'm still wondering, uh, you know, normally, like if he were, say, a, a real Trumper, he would just call the New York Times fake news and that would be it. Yeah. And so. You know, he, Fox had his back. He was Hannity was buying everything and shoveling it out. So I was surprised that he ever came around to admitting the truth. Um, you know, that's not like him. And this is a guy who, who, let's see, I just collected two of these to read to you. <laughs> he tweeted, let's see, in uh, December of the 2020 when. Uh, he was hypocrites, complete and utter hypocrites about Mayor Adler, who took a private jet to Cabo. And um, while he was there, recorded the video saying, stay home if you can. This isn't the time to relax. So apparently Ted Cruz thinks that leaving your state when you are supposed to be right. someone who can coordinate federal resources, which I notice conservatives and Republicans are pretending senators don't actually do anything. So who cares if he goes on a vacation? But that's not true at all. Uh, there's a lot they can do in and they should be doing in these circumstances are kind of like the point of contact person. So this whole justification for him is on well, not even thin ice. <laughs> it's just a joke. Right. And now a word from our sponsor. Well, John, if something is interfering with your happiness or, or preventing you from achieving your goals, you should consider our sponsor better help. That's H-E-L-P. <laughs> that would be a traditional way of spelling help. <laughs> Unlike the French. Okay. I'm, better help seeks to provide professional help with ease. Uh, now I shouldn't be joking because it's, it's not a crisis. It's line. not a funny ad. Yeah. No, it's not. But this is prof God, now I'm going to laugh. This is professional counseling done securely online. Actually, this is pretty important, folks. It's, it's cool, actually, yeah. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. Start communicating under 48 hours, connecting in a safe, private, online environment. Send a message to your counselor and receive a timely response. Schedule weekly video or phone sessions, whatever works best for you. Anything you share is confidential, of course, folks. If you want to try a new therapist, it's simple. Feel free to switch. BetterHelp says they are, they are more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is also available. Start living a happier life today. You'll get 10% off your first monthly by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash sexyliberal. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Go to betterhelp.com slash sexyliberal and receive 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp.com slash sexyliberal. And now back to our show.
the other tweet that he did, uh, trying to read the date on this, I think it was in August of 2020, California is now unable to perform even basic functions of civilization, like having reliable electricity. Biden-Harris AOC want to make California's failed energy policy the standard nationwide. Hope you don't like air conditioning. So there you go. Yeah. You know, I wanted to mention really quick because uh, Ben Shapiro, who's a big right-wing commentator, uh, picked up the theme that Sarah was talking about, the old, you know, what can a senator do during a natural disaster? And my very short story, (laughs) I wrote a a, a longer story about it on my uh, Substack creation i've got cyber disobedience for everybody type it in but basically i worked for a senator from alaska and was in alaska in august of 1992 uh, for work and out of nowhere basically got caught in a volcanic eruption in anchorage and it was it was really bad i mean the the ash was literally coming towards anchorage it looked like a death cloud literally this black thing with a perfect division between the cloud and the blue sky this black thing creeping from over the horizon covering entirely it's the blackest midnight you've ever seen at like 8 p.m., which in Alaska meant daytime. Um, no clouds, no stars. Anyway, horrific. The ash is falling. We've got a stay-at-home order because the ash actually gets in your lungs. It ruins cars. It, it, it kills airplanes, everything. I mean, you, I couldn't take pictures because my camera would have been ruined, the gears of the camera. You, you don't do anything. Well, what happens? The next morning, I get a call. Anchorage is blanketed in inches of volcanic ash. We're all been ordered to stay at home for our safety. I get an off, a call from my office, and the boss wants you to come to the work. Like, what do you mean he wants me to come to work? Come to the federal building where our office is. The FAA is there. The weather service is there. You've got to come and help coordinate federal response. I'm like, I'm 26 years old. What do you mean I'm coordinating federal response? And it's a natural disaster. It's not even safe. Well, I put on a little surgical mask, which was you know interesting foreshadowing. Called a cab. God knows why the cabs are working. And the cab and I are going 20 miles an hour down the street. It's throwing billows of volcanic ash. I mean, literally, it's like a disaster movie. This gray volcanic ash is flying everywhere. And I had to go to work and do what I could as a 26-year-old Senate staffer to help coordinate federal response, local response, you know, put pressure where it's needed to let them know the senator's watching, which gets everybody scared and makes government officials work better. That's the kind of thing you can do as a senator's office, let alone the senator him or herself, who is way more powerful than I am. That's the kind of thing you do. You don't jump on a plane. And suggest at the same time, I'm just a, I'm just a, you know, it's like, uh, what you call it, uh, the, you know, sacking of Atlanta movie, uh, Gone with the Wind. You know, I don't know nothing about taking care of, of the Senate, you know, like he's just some kind of simpleton. It just, anyway, really infuriated me that, that, that that's Wait. their line now that senators don't do anything. I know, because then why are you taking this big paycheck? Why are we Bingo. paying you if you, you actually don't do anything? Yeah. Um, so many things. But, I mean, he has been a problem since he showed up and his own party doesn't even like him. So he just the, he's got this persona that as a woman, I have to say, if I ran into him at a nice dinner, I would move my seat away yeah. from him. He, it's just gross. I mean, he he's just has that. and creepy. Yes, is it, he is. That's exactly it. There's just something so, creepy about the guy. Yeah, he actually seems to try and get more repulsive all the time. Even and when I think he can't be, like, yes, I, I mean, know. And again, this is going to sound petty, but I'm—I I don't know how else to explain it because it's his whole being. Like, 
the way he he lies so freely, the way he he purposely takes people's words out of context and then completely mischaracterizes what they say to attack them, like all that stuff, and he does it with this look on his face is also gross. But then he was sort of like then he was like, well, he is actually Glenn is. I find Glenn just as gross for that reason. And then, <laughs> but on top of that, then Ted is like, hey, I'm going to get a fucking mullet from 1985, right. and I'm going right. to grow out this ridiculous patchy beard and i mean like it's like he does everything to make himself as physically yeah, even the intellectually voice. and emotionally gross as okay. as one can, can we be can we just make one more petty comment even the guy's voice i just almost don't believe it's real who talks like this exactly I mean, whining shitty i mean I, seriously i can't that's why i'm never worried people worry yeah. he's going to be president i'm like he's not going to be there there are a bunch of other ones i am worried Gen- you know, i am genuinely worried about but he's so repulsive and off-putting even to people that should like him, his yeah. policies, whatever those are, but the ones he pretends to like. Um, but, that, you know, that's the whole issue here, isn't it, is that you guys, I'll say quickly and then I'll kick it back to you, Sarah. But you bring up like – we bring up, you know, um, the, the, the part of it where, oh, I'm just a senator and whatever. And it reminds you everything he does is just a performance. That there's right. no real policy, no real doing anything. Because look at what both you brought up AOC, but look at what AOC, not a senator, and Beto O'Rourke, not a figure even in Congress, Senate or the House at this point, did. They sat down, they they set up call centers, they called people who were freezing to see if they needed help, food brought to their house, if they needed to be brought to shelters. They found somebody who'd been in a, a guy who older gentleman, I think, who'd been in his home two days without food and without heat, and I think maybe without water. And they got him somewhere safely. That is what you can do. And, and, and that's the thing is that he take basically even the things that, that a, a, where a senator is a leader, he chooses not to be a leader rhetorically. And, you know, he got on this airplane. Let's not forget we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I don't know how the uh, vaccines are going everywhere oh, yeah. else, but yeah. here – we, we still have healthcare workers who haven't gotten their first shot here. So it was absolutely enraging to see him get on an airplane uh, to yes. go anywhere. You know, I mean, I know he has to take an airplane to get to work, but to go on a vacation, to get away from your constituents who are some of whom are dying was so repulsive. And, and leaving the country why, even, right? Leaving the country yeah, to cross the border that he so... Yep. How long have they been telling us about how terrible the Mexicans are? I mean, everything about this is just wrong. Yeah. And, and I do want to like punctuate that the repulsiveness of him, as you pointed out, it is it isn't just the external is only kind of reflecting what is inside. And part of what's inside are these terrible policies that really hurt people. And Forever they've been telling us Texas is a lone state. They do everything by themselves, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So their power grid even is organized that way so that it's not shared. They can't, they can't export or import their power. Right. Right. So if it's because exactly. And so this morning, because they don't want to have federal regulations, which they think are the Federal regulations only hurt people who are violating those regulations. We should, I mean, I understand that it's more bureaucracy, but ultimately that's the price of doing business. And if you're not um, violating that, it really shouldn't be a problem. So the, the, it came out this morning that parts in Texas that were fine, that didn't have their power taken off were largely the parts that were not 
under that whole, uh, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas that manages the grid, the electrical yeah. grid for like 90% of the state. And so the, the people who There's are not under that. Like El Paso, that lucky. But the whole point of it is, you know, and I just wrote a whole piece for the Daily Beast that will be coming out, not to self-promote, but, uh, you know, on the sort of Republican war for 40 years against de deregulation. And they particularly this abstract concept doesn't hurt people. You know what I mean? And here is the proof right. of what it does to people, which is exactly. we will not share with the Eastern interconnected power grid, which is that's one of them, or the Western interconnected power grid. We will have the Texas one. And that way, because we, we don't want to be regulated by the feds, we're not going to accept anything from across state lines. So essentially, your power grid uh, decided to uh, and, and go, you know, and, and basically elope from the rest of ours. There's a word for that, secede, I believe it is, which they always claim mm -hmm. they want to do. Well, it did, and this is the result. Mm -hmm. They did do that, and I mean, all to avoid this whole hatred they have for the federal government. And, you know, there's a lot of problems with the federal government, but all of those regulations, as I know you guys are well aware, are put in place to protect people. And maybe they can be done better sometimes, but ultimately, the, you know, the government is supposed to provide some of these services to people yeah. for precisely this reason so that profit isn't driving everything, which is why they didn't winterize all of this, because there was no incentive for them to do so. Yeah. And, and here they are blaming a, wind power. And a disincentive <laughs> because they would have had to spend money and it would cut into their profits. I mean, you know, it's, exactly. and it's something that I, I would not make fun of Texas right now because that's something that they would do to us. But it it makes me think of all the bullshit we always hear from Southerners, especially the Texans about, you know, oh, we're threatening to go independent and this kind of crap. And honestly, if Republicans run that state, they're never going to pull it off. This is classic Republican. It, it, it for me, and it takes us to the insurrection. It takes us to everything. They, they talk a big talk about the flag and the people and independence and how strong we are, right? Everything is bravado with them. But when it comes to the substance, they really don't want to do the hard work and they don't want to do the substantive work. So they think governing is all about protecting your gun, but not actually you know, doing anything, right? So the idea of power and water in your state doesn't really matter, but at least we've got your guns and, and we're going to you know, threaten to secede because we're so powerful. And then you realize you're not powerful at all. You're kind of a weak state. And mind you, all the money Texas states from the federal government as well. Texas takes a lot of money from the feds, much more than it puts in in taxes. But it just it, it sort of just exposes that that bravado lie that I don't just mean it in mocking them. But isn't that the reason Republicans keep and it takes us to our, seven, our second topic, in, uh, the insurrection. I feel like their bravado is so well honed and the bravado mixes in with also the oppression. Right. Oh, Democrats are doing this to us that that it's 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 just sort of it takes us to the whole grand unified theory of their big lie their bravado and their lies and how good they are at selling their lies but in a way they end up hurting regular americans when they do it okay that's my overall thesis if that made any sense that was perfect okay i thought it made perfect sense and it's <laughs> you know but i mean because the whole point of what i think all of us do is we're trying to help people vote in a way that is better for the majority of people in this country, instead of voting for whatever, um, you know, the way the way that Republicans have for so long, and I'm not saying Democrats are absolutely perfect about this, but in the for the most part, Democrats are at least trying to pass policies that are good for people, 
whatever their motive is for doing that, we don't know. But but I do know that Republicans lie about their policies all of the time. And why do they have to do that? I mean, why is why are they always talking about the Second Amendment like you just brought up um, and gun rights? And they're never talking about air rights and water rights, which are actually, as they can see now in Texas, things that are necessary to live. So that's my, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I can get going on this. But it's it's the, it's sort of the cliche at this point, but abortion too, you know, the idea of, oh, we care about life, but we really don't. We only care about life before it's born. And after it's born to hell with you, you don't need insurance. You don't need a job. You don't need, you know, you don't need anything. You don't need healthcare. You don't need anything. There's just, it's so, it seems like their whole philosophy is based on just this house of cards of lies and bravado, but they're so good at the bravado. And we've talked about this a lot on the show. Their marketing is so damn good, whether it's marketing mm-hmm. about how good they are or marketing about how bad we are, that people just kind of fall for it, or at least enough people fall for it. Well, I live among those people. It's really surprised to get to the capital thing as a sort of natural progression from what you just said. Hmm. Um, and I know that, you know, Cliff does too, as well, live around people like this. But I, so I, um, I live in a Trump area, went for, for Trump in 2016. And again, right. um, the people here, when the Capitol um, siege, the Trump terrorist attack happened, they at first were like, these aren't our people. I don't know who these people are. It must be Antifa. And then I would tell them that's not true. And then they would say to me, well, these people are really gross. Like, just look at the way this guy's dressed. They're nasty. And I said, have you not gotten to know your party as of the last 10 years? Because there's a big crossover. All the things you've been making fun of liberals for, the anti-vaccine thing, is all of that has crossed over um, very successfully into the Republican Party. And I mean, this is who your base is now. They're the people you can't stand, and as Donald Trump made clear on that day. So it's very frightening because at first then they were, this is wrong, this is wrong, it should have been condemned. Um, but now they've been told that it wasn't that bad, it wasn't their people, and Democrats really wanted this and are making a big deal about it, but nothing, nobody was hurt. The officer didn't even die from that. So they've all explained it all away and now it's nothing. How do you deal with people like that? How do you deal with this kind of misinformation that's, uh, you know, poisoning the dialogue and poisoning people's, the way they see the world, the way they, they're being misled in this huge way. It's uh, very troubling. But today, or was it yesterday, Hmm. six Capitol officers were suspended with pay, 29 others under investigation for their role in the riot. You know, it's, I think it's important to point out also with Rush Limbaugh passing away a few days ago, um, I tried not to speak ill of him on the day he died because yeah. I tried to, it's something my parents taught me and I tried just, just in that moment to be a better person. Um, but it doesn't mean we refuse to talk about people's legacies afterwards and it's now been a few days. And obviously- yeah, Let me just say, Cliff, I think I would say- it is fine to speak ill of him. Try not to mock him for being dead. No, I would not make it funny, but I would make it deadly right. serious. Yes. Yeah. What he did, and, and, and obviously it happened with the complete oversight of Reagan and Bush one and allowing, at the time, you had to have local content on local radio shows. You, you, there, we had rules against a couple of big guys buying them all up. And we had a fairness doctrine. All of that was removed. And hence comes the creation of Rush Limbaugh, this loud you know, booming, lying voice. 
And and it was sad because I did tweet something out about like, you know, I'm not going to say nice things, obviously, because I, I will never lie and say positive things that weren't true about someone that died, but I'm not going to dance on his grave right now. And in a way, it was really sad because the responses, and John and I have talked about it on this show before, and we all know people like this, people talking about how their brother or sister or parents or grandfather were just lost to this haze of disinformation and hate were radicalized in the same way that ISIS radicalizes. I mean, it's no different. We, we, we Because it's happening in this country, we try to pretend it's not the same thing. But when you sell people lies, conspiracies, hate, you know, and you call the people that disagree with you, not people that, you know, that you're you're fighting to, you're, you know, your viewpoint versus theirs, but people that actually are your enemies and are going to destroy the republic and blah, 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 blah. They, they turn into this, in this apocalyptic rhetoric. And, and, you know, that's what led to what happened at the Capitol, is that these are all sorts of people that as recently as a couple of years ago, they may have been normal functioning people, but they were turned into zombies by listening to Fox or Rush or Alex Jones or, you know, and, we, we we won't be able to change things until we grapple with this in this country, that we can't improve our politics while we allow this stuff to go on unrestrained in any way. And you know, Sarah, because you live a- in rural Pennsylvania, I know, I mean, I'm in a more urban area. I'm in Cincinnati, but not too far outside of here. These are areas that get poisoned by this kind of stuff. Oh, it's absolutely terrifying to live here. I mean, honestly, right after um, the election, when things started to really heat up, and I saw all these people put out their Trump flags and start hanging them like we're not backing down kind of thing. Right. And, you know, it, it made me really uncomfortable. There's a lot of um, white supremacists around here and Ku Klux Klan is like 40 minutes away. One of the a very hmm. large um, uh, gathering of them. And they're still, they're still around. Oh, yeah. I guess I didn't oh, yeah. realize the Klan itself was still around. I mean, in rural areas, absolutely. John, yeah, they yeah. are. And, and in fact, I mean, one of the lovely things that about where I live is I live right in the downtown area, and there's a university here. And so the downtown area is a little more evenly, um, I guess, ideologically wise. It's right. about half yeah. and half. But right now, the council is is run by Democrats. And so they hired a new police chief. And when we had a bunch of defacement of public property with um, white supremacist language all over it, and the police went around and said, we're looking for these people, we're going to arrest. And they put these notices everywhere that said, you will not, this is not tolerated in this town. And I thought, that really surprised me. Um, And I think one of the huge things, which is way too big to get into on this show probably right now, so I shouldn't even say it, but the the debate is always, well, there's, you know, our country is known for free speech. So there's this huge, th- that seems to always weigh, take all the precedence over responsible speech. And that is an important uh, dialogue, right, to have. I mean, there, it's huge because of the implications. And yet we can see how dangerous all of this radicalization is here in in uh, Pittsburgh. There was the mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue, and that was based on the rhetoric about the non-existent threat of the, the caravan. caravan right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that stuff has a direct impact right. on people. And of course, we saw that at the Capitol, and it isn't going away. So they think we're we're um, liberals are evil. I've had people say to me here, "You're a liberal." Well, you don't seem like that. And when I lived in the South, I actually lived in Savannah and I had, you know, I was out, I volunteered on the 2008 Obama campaign to register voters. So I spent 
I think almost a year registering voters all around Savannah. And um, I had so many people say to me, white people say to me, you don't look like a, a Democrat, you know, and I wonder what that meant. Yeah. Yeah. And by exactly. that I mean, I don't want to really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, so it's just, it's pretty horrifying the sort of the demonization of liberals that has been so effective, but also I, we see that the people on the liberal side, you know, what you just brought up the Rush Limbaugh thing and people were um, going there. I suppose you could say um, the whole dialogue has been brought way down by Trump. I mean, I, I think it was already bad before that, but I've noticed, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I, once he got kicked off Twitter, it's like people started turning on each other. Yeah. And so, yeah. right. They're like, trying to find something to, to argue about now so it's also well, kind of amazing we haven't too, yeah. ahead, what's amazing is we haven't heard from trump right i mean you put out Just that stage. one attack on mcconnell that was hilarious but that's it but but also yeah. kind of how he you know he's been going on fox news and so i will say he's i think he was on fox twice yesterday the day before so he is doing that but in terms of like the the zeitgeist overall right he's just He's not part of the discussion. I mean, we would still be reacting to his crazy tweets if he were tweeting. It's got to yeah. be just driving. It's not only driving him nuts, but it's it's as worried as we all are about the future. There's just a collective sigh of relief that I think we almost don't even realize. We're not even fully aware of what we're missing, which is what's so nice. You know what I mean? That, that, that constant pinging, that constant poking of his in your eye just isn't there anymore. And a big part I am Twitter. honestly... It was, and I am still recovering from him. And I'll just put that out there. I don't. I hear it from other women a lot, so it may yeah. be um, most specific to us. I don't know if that's true, but I I found his whole presidency, the campaign leading up to mm. it, to be. I didn't want to do this job anymore. I just couldn't mm. bear it. Right. And I found right. everything he said. Here he is, the sexual predator elevated to the highest office in the land. It was just every day he's, you know, saying nasty things about people, disabled people. I, I, I don't even have the word. So I, every day that he's gone, I feel a little expansion in sort of a sense of well-being and a little bit of peace of mind. I mean, it's just so lovely. And then to have the Biden-Harris administration, all of their um, press emails are so, you know, they're professional. They're what we are, we are, have come to expect. They're what should be. Fact sheets are back. Um, mm. There's no mocking of people. I, I would always be so surprised when the Trump White House would put out the, everything, you know, calling people scums. I mean, it was just yeah. unbelievable. I mean, one you couldn't even keep up. You know, one of the things that still worries me, or maybe not worries, it eats at me, I guess, why I'm not like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've gone from DEFCON 1 to DEFCON 2 and a half, or <laughs> there isn't one, DEFCON 3 maybe. You know, like I've just calmed down a little bit, but it still eats at me that this guy was so popular that they were willing to, well, 73 million were willing to, to uh, vote to reelect him, right? I mean, it, it still wasn't, a, it wasn't nothing. I don't know, Cliff, was that 47% or something? I don't remember the exact number. In the end, you have four, like either 47, 48 percent. Yeah. Got, right? is, no, yeah, 47, 47, I think. Yeah. You know, which is way too much considering everything that happened. And it still eats at me that 
he wasn't just a tyrant who took over. I, again, I, I love this quote from Star Wars, one of the Star Wars movies I don't like, those last couple Star Wars, no, or maybe not even the last couple, whatever. It wasn't the first three that were great, but the one where the princess or whatever, Podmar, whatever her name is, is Natalie Portman is looking at the Imperial Senate being dissolved and they're all they're all applauding because the Emperor says, yeah. I'm dissolving the Senate. They're all applauding. Yay. And she says something to the effect. Clinton That's Clinton. how Liberty ends with thunderous applause. That's how Liberty ends with thunderous applause. And the idea that sometimes, maybe often, the strong man takes over because half the country says, attaboy. So that well, we still got those people dissension. to deal with. Right. If you create, and that's what he was doing, and that that's where that movie shows you in the, in its own way, you know, because it was the original Star Wars movies were written by George Lucas, as much of like what was written in the late sixties and seventies was lit, written in response to World War Two still, for folks who'd lived it, you know, and watched fascists rise. Oh, that's and, true. You're right. The fascist whole aspect of the stormtroopers, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, throwing it back to Sarah though, because that was my thought, like when you were saying. Uh, that it's taking you a while. Part of the reason it's taking me a while is I feel like that whole issue is unresolved of too many Americans welcomed this POS, <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. what does that mean going forward? Oh, John, say the words for Christ. I'm trying sake. to be more polite today. I don't know why I did say fuck earlier. So I guess I'm not being that polite, but anyway, sorry. So we're allowed to swear on this podcast. Oh is yeah. Damn fucking oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I do. Um, I, I am rather well known for that in my personal life. So <laughs> I was I, being nice uh, for you. <laughs> I know. I appreciate that. Well, I do okay. keep it really clean on Twitter because I, I just, that's just how I've chosen to yeah. do no, my yeah. external stuff. Um, but fuck these people. That's what I have to say about that. Um, uh, I, this is the thing I hear the most from readers actually is what you just said, that they are very concerned that so much of the country voted to reelect this guy. And let's look at what he had done. Let's see. He tried to kill and did manage to kill 200,000 plus people. Um, is that the right number? I, I, I don't know where it was. But you, well, for COVID, you mean depending on the current crisis you blame him for. Well, that Lancet uh, group, you know, commission that, well filled with science and medicine and such claim that as many as 40% of those who've died yeah. wouldn't have if they, the administration had reacted responsibly, had encouraged smart behavior, had right away put a plan together nationally and all the other things. I mean, that is over 200. We're, we're close to 500,000 yeah. dead at this point. So imagine 40% of them still alive. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. So I'm glad you worked that out. Cause I, I was thinking that I remember that study, but I didn't know what, um, the exact yeah it's not the exact number i suppose but it's around that but here's a person imagine if he were a black person imagine if he were a, any democrat this never that would have been the end the end of the end of the end because it almost ended obama that benghazi happened under his watch um so it's yep. just it it's it mine it's mind blowing but it here it is i actually wrote to the obama administration when when they first um, began. And I said, the biggest problem we have is the media. It's the conservative media. It's playing here at the um, base where I did, I did the news there and they would have Fox news It's playing in the, in the mess hall. It's playing Rush Limbaugh plays there. It, this is, you're radicalizing as you guys already pointed out earlier, all of these people, but they're also in this epistemic 
closure bubble. They never hear anything other than this stuff. And I find often that I'll be in casual dialogue with somebody and they'll say, I hope you guys are both sitting down because this one might surprise you. I was getting an MRI of my um, evulsion fracture in my foot from ballet. And there I was just trying to get this MRI done. And the woman who's doing it, very sweet um, woman, and she says to me, don't you, there had just been a mass shooting. She says to me, don't you think we need gun control? It's too bad we don't have it because of Black Lives Matter. If we, if they weren't oh. around, we would have gun control by now. What? Yes. I never even heard yes. that before. Wow. I know. I hear the craziest stuff. And so that's ah. what I'm saying is that I, and the problem is that I often, because it's so crazy and so not true, I won't even have. A rebuttal. That one, of course, I did have a rebuttal for because I had all the facts about it. But I, yeah. a lot of the times they'll, they'll like spew something that I haven't even heard. And I'm like, who who are these people? What are you talking about? It's almost like a foreign language. And and so I, I'll often ask them, like, what, what media are you consuming? But they'll never be honest about it. Just like when yeah. the media comes here to interview these people, they're not honest with the media. And then the media will be like, they had economic anxiety. Um, No, they didn't. That's not the problem. You know, the problem is that the elites in the Republican Party have told them that the reason they have some of these problems is that there's these demons called Democrats. So, yeah, it's really really is It's kind of like, you know, when I'd have these arguments with folks about they'd be like, gun control can't work here. I'm bringing this up as an example. Right. I'd be like, it's funny because it works in every other democracy. Um, you, You know. You find out some of the, these other other issues we bring up. If you just look across state, you know, across country lines, like you just said, you know, the whole thing about it's economic anxiety, you know, and you're like, well, then why does this far right nationalist shit exist in European countries that are that are have far more generous social safety nets than we do in universal health care? I mean, clearly, it can't just be the economic anxiety. Or you wouldn't have a far-right movement in France of exactly the same kind of white, rural, anti-immigration, angry kind of folks. The same thing in England, right? The same thing in Sweden. The same thing in, I mean, some of the most generous countries in terms of the social safety net still have these, these, you know, these groups. Clearly, there's something else going on there. Right. I, I'm so glad you brought that up. I hadn't even really considered it in that context. Although I remember I had a friend who lived in England and and was a normal person. And then one day she starts spewing all this far right anti-immigrant garbage. And of course our friendship ended. And I just thought, what in the heck is going on over there? And then next thing we know, here's Brexit and the whole, you know, disaster there. But that's such a good point. And I think that I heard this from so many um, academics and, and people in the democratic party that who want to sound like they care about these folks. And that's why, you know, they don't want to alienate people. And they don't want to mock people, but it's but that isn't the problem. The problem is the media they're consuming, and the fact that the other problem is, as we've already identified, Republicans are heavily invested in these this kind of division because it gives them a cloak for these ugly policies that are only for the wealthy. That's really the right. issue, and of course that goes on. It's been going on throughout history. That's like how the elite always get away with this stuff but it's just amazing that it's been so enabled by this ugly uh, media that we have here so did you guys see that study about the conservative 
media being so effective in changing mainstream coverage over the last five, six years? I've seen um, studies. When, 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 which one is study? Yeah, when was it? I think this came out last year. Um, I wish I had. I wasn't expecting to talk about this. It's something I've referenced and written about. Um, I think, oh, I hate to say this because if it's not accurate, I'm going to feel really bad. But I think it's a um, Columbia Journalism Review okay. study. Um, I could pull I it up in my notes. But, yeah. but but the point is that they, but all of this stuff that I think you guys have been talking about, and I know we have for a long time, the problem with the, the way Republicans constantly would get away with whatever narrative they're setting, and it's not even and even rooted in reality a lot of times. And this study proved that, in fact, the media was very uh, manipulated, if you will, or maybe they just, they weren't manipulated. Maybe that was fine with them. I don't know. But they were, uh, they changed their coverage based on the impact of far right-wing conservative media. So they've been very effective. And I think uh, until our, our mainstream media recognizes why did they fall for that stuff and why did they elevate it why are they still having people on their yeah. shows who you know shouldn't be there it's a just the hugest problem and i you know i guess that's why you guys are doing this podcast why one of the reasons to try I mean, to push back and have some of that you know one thing just to throw out there i think one of the things I'm not going to defend the media, but I'll say what I think is difficult is like during the Trump era, what what a lot of them were juggling with. I tend to watch CNN. I know a lot of us watch MSNBC as well. But on CNN, they were still juggling with the, okay, we have a lot of never Trumpers on, but don't we have to have somebody representing this guy? Because if we're having debate about Trump policy, you know, you've got to have like the pro-Trump and the anti-Trump. I mean, it it kind of makes it, it's not like we're talking uh you know, do blacks or gays have the right to exist pro and anti, right? I mean, we're talking about an entire administration that is vile and evil, but it's an entire presidential administration. So how do you, for example, have people on TV if you're not going to have Kaylee the liar or Jason Idiot the, the, you know, wouldn't pay his child support? I mean, how do you not have these people on? Because there was nobody representing Trump who was sane. And normal that's and, the, and wild. Yeah, that's well, exactly you you're so right. But you're also enabling yeah. the lies by having them on. And then they also, you have to have access to him to get any kind of uh, comment on the record about these policies. And you know how, because they would do this thing, to, hmm. <laughs> they, would, they would put something out there, they would say it on TV, and then hmm. the media would all get outraged. And then... They would issue the statement, that's not true, that's fake news. And then the next day, the, the policy would, in fact, be true. Yeah. But nobody is talking about that anymore because everybody's so confused, which was exactly what their point was. But I think you're so right. I mean, the media was in a really bad position. Um, and I think that that's something I hope that th that everyone is trying to grapple with. I know they were trying to grapple with it while it was happening, but it just seems like the wrong answer is to have known liars on, I guess the, maybe the thing is if you don't have anyone who can, who has any credibility to speak to your point of view, maybe your point of view doesn't deserve to be on the show, but then he is the president. So he has all this power. I do feel like we have to decide though, that, that there are certain things that are out of bounds. I mean, if the Trump, you know, I mean, if the Trump, how do you draw the Trump line movement or whatever, just, well, 
Let me, let me, yeah. the Trump folks were, were out there and they were saying, I mean, you know, it's like the old, what's it, Potter Stewart, the Supreme Court justice statement about pornography. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. You know, it's, it's like, I mean, I'm sorry, but if we, we all know that if, if the Trump uh, line was slavery is good, we would not allow, allow somebody on TV right. to make that argument. We would. But, but and, what do we do? You know, there is a point. Yeah. Where people are being so serially dishonest and they're harming our democracy that they are of no value at all. And if you cannot go on and defend Trumpism by telling the truth, which you can, you could just say, well, this is what we believe. We don't, you know, this is corrupt. They might say, and you say, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Here's what we believe, blah, 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 blah. As long as you don't sit there and lie blatantly to people about what it is you're doing. Right. Then fine, let them, but you cannot share disinformation. We just we're talking about that because that destroys our democracy. I think what worries me is I think we've gotten to the point though where it's not clear where that line is because as you said, pornography is easy, and that would be like except like blacks or gays don't have the right to exist or are genetically inferior or whatever, right? That's an easy one. But when we're talking about the Trump era, we had things such as you know, Brett Stevens writing about climate denialism at the Times and people saying that was out of bounds. And I got to tell you, I'm kind of in the middle on that. I'm not in the middle on climate, but I'm kind of in the middle on, you know, it, it, or, or, or even better, that op-ed by whoever it was that got the guy fired at the Times that was saying they should have called out the guard or whoever it was to take on the protesters. I don't agree with that. Oh, I think it's, but I got to tell you, even that one, and this is going to be my libertarian side kicking in or whatever it is. Of course, it was a vile piece, but, you know, you, he can't argue that. I mean, because we would argue, hey, a lot of us were arguing. I'm careful how I do it because I don't want to get kicked off Twitter. But I'm surprised there wasn't a lot more violence on our side stopping the insurrection. Our side, meaning the police, stopping the insurrectionists. <laughs> That's my nice way of putting it, right? Um, if I had done an op-ed saying that, would that not be similar? saying we should have called out the military, and if they needed to fire, they should have fired on those people. That's not a – it's a controversial point of view, but I'll bet a lot of people would agree with me if I wrote that. I just – I worry that some that we're, we're getting to a point now where – this is kind of that outrage discussion, Sarah, that Cliff and I have a lot, where I think we've moved from the obvious it's porn to obviously it offends me, and therefore it should be banned too. And that and be, John, you're right. It has to be a, a – a, like a strong debate between all of us so that, you know, we've talked about that on the, on, on the show here where, where we have to set some lines and, and figure out, you know, at times debate it and figure out what crosses a line and what doesn't. Yeah. And that's going to move as society moves, but there should be some things that are obvious that step outside that line. Yeah. Sarah. Yeah. I'm just, this is a debate I have internally constantly. So there I could argue uh, like 10 different sides of this topic. Um, I do think, so you've already argued uh, two of them, or at least maybe three. So the one part, so I, I often think um, we do have to protect some vulnerable members of society. That is the purpose of um, a democracy. If it's functioning well, as vulnerable people are protected. And so some hate speech is, shouldn't be allowed. I, I think that we've established that, but, and yet we, that boundary has certainly been tested over and over again because it was tolerated under Trump. And we saw the uh, results of that. On the other hand, you don't want to silence, you don't want to silence debate and, and incendiary 
uh, opinions should be allowed in a functioning democracy so long as they're not leading to violence and they don't call for violence and they don't uh, give people a reason to think that they are under threat. But I will go back to this op-ed that you were just saying you could have written. You know, but the truth is about that situation that those lawmakers were under threat. Their lives were under threat and it would have been... um, understandable if action was taken against those people right. that was violent, right? right? Because they right. were threatening the and had nefarious plans to harm um, our many of our leaders, including the vice president at the time. So, you know, I think that that I would have understood that op-ed. I don't think it, that's calling for violence. It's sort of saying, I mean, I think many of us are wondering why didn't that happen? What what happened that this was allowed to happen and there wasn't this this response that we would hope. I mean, I would hope that they could have managed without violence. They could have, because they were armed or whatever, gotten people to stand down. But in, in any case, um, but I also go back to uh, the predominant voices that we hear in politics are, are white men um, who are not members of a protected class. So, you know, based on the, I could go through, you guys know the whole list, but I mean, that, though, a lot of times that speech can be harmful to people who are a member of a protected class, um, where, there, there's just that issue of where do you draw the line, but I just want to be very sensitive to the fact that um, I, I often think we're not doing I don't want to silence speech, but then I look at, you know, you look at these kids who um, want to harm themselves, basically, based on the way they're treated because of their sexual orientation or their race or whatever the issue is, right? And it's just, it brings up this whole, how do we, you're supposed to be able to constrain people through their own internal uh, morality and ethics, and it's really interesting because the Republican Party used to, that was their big argument for why we didn't need to regulate people more. And now they are the people who have no restraint, it seems. So I don't have an answer for this. I just think that there's a lot of really important push and pull on both sides of it. But the other, you go back to the pornography argument, and I think you do know, I mean, we knew when Trump was saying that stuff about the election being uh a lie, we knew where that was going because you, we saw the people and their response to it before we even got to January 6th. And apparently there was a bunch of, um, there, there were a bunch of social media postings that the law enforcement say they just didn't even know about. Um, I don't know. For once, I don't have much to say. Yeah, I don't know. I know. And it's, and I, I certainly don't want, you know, we always get like the, you know, the one naysayer who runs and says, John thinks climate change is fake or whatever, you know, and I, I'm not sort of going there, but it's, <laughs> I think I think one of the yeah. things we struggle with and we should struggle with as whatever we are, I mean, us three, right? In, in Europe, we would be sort of the intellectual class here. I don't know what we'd call ourselves because <laughs> that's not nice in America, but, you know, we tend to be thinkers. We tend to have a voice. And it's our responsibility, which is also why I got a law degree, but it's it's our job to to think about the nuance and to think about just that, like, where is the line between obvious pornography and 
Hey, and the Melania Trump photos, for example, quite seriously, right? I mean, there's to bring in a totally obscure topic, but I mean, where do you where do you say that I disagree with these people on politics? But you know, climate change. Can anybody disagree on climate change at all in a way? That would be okay as a as a New York Times editorial. I'm not. Sure I would say, John. Yes, they should be able to, but they need to be honest. I, I agree with you with the lies. You they, can make an argument. You can make an argument based on like yeah. what the preponderance of scientists are saying and say, yeah. I don't believe it's worth the economic cost, or I believe humanity will adapt. Right. Like everything yeah. else, or and make your argument and say, but it, it, the minute that you are, are you have a right to free speech from our, by our government, but not at the New York Times doesn't right. owe you that. Neither is Twitter or anywhere else. Once you are mainstreaming. And spreading lies, particularly hateful ones. No, I yeah, don't yeah, think yeah. your opinion does have a right to be. No, out I there. agree with that, of course. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the exact perfect point that because that's what has happened that's different. It is no longer this is better for big business, this is going to be job, create jobs. Those are the stories they used to tell us, which turned out to not be true. Um, but now it's just making up fake. Uh, or using, you know, dubious studies to claim that climate change isn't real, that that's where you draw the line. You know, I, I just want to bring up, I, I wanted to bring this up when you mentioned abortion earlier. Did you know that yesterday uh, that a Tennessee lawmakers proposed a bill that would grant fathers the right to veto abortion without a pregnant woman's consent? Hmm. I did see that. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, this is the world we live in. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm bringing this up, and it does kind of relate to hate speech, the, the speech against, that has been lobbied um, and and weaponized against women for so long that we don't have medical authority. And actually, just to say, like, that is actually something that was going on quietly and softly without a law to back it up in many states for a long time. So they're just kind of now coming out with, yeah, let's let's do this publicly again. Um, and who knows what kind of lies they're telling. You know, they've always got lies that back up why they have to control women like this. Right. So it's pretty simple. It does- if, if, if they really thought the things they claim to think, if it really was about the children, you know, if it really was, we think abortion is murder and all that stuff. And, and children are the most important thing then they would pass the, the, the kinds of gun laws that wouldn't make kids have to hide underneath concrete in schools and have the kind of some of these desks I see being made now that are almost like freaking bunkers, right? They would wear masks going in places and protect little babies and others to make sure they don't come down with diseases as opposed to them having their freedom to do whatever the hell they want. They, you know, they would, there just would be so many things. They would make sure every child in this country had health care and had food in their belly. And that you didn't live in places like I do in a city where one in five kids goes to sleep hungry at night sometimes. And I mean, I'm sorry, but I I don't believe any of the rhetoric because of all of that. Because if you care, if you're claiming it's about the children, then why don't you seem to give a shit about the children in any other single case? Right. Once they're born, they're non-entities. We don't care to feed them. Uh, we can put them in cages. Anything is fair game once they're born. It's just ridiculous. And there's, there's no, there's no support for pregnant women. So if they really cared about babies, then they they would be offering medical care, medical care, child care, every single thing to make it easier for a woman to work, to have a child, to do all that. Um, you know, you're exactly right, but they don't do any of that because they don't care. Isn't that sad? I mean, that's, that's the truth. We're surrounded by these people that, 
have all these policies that are based in allegedly on a religion um, that don't care about human beings. They don't care. No, nope. they're bad people. <laughs> I mean, it sounds funny, would... but they are. They don't care about Texans. <laughs> they don't care about babies. They don't care about minorities. They don't care about women. They don't care about America. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for something they care about, they do care about their bank account. They do care about what title comes after their name. So there are some things they care about, but I haven't been. Yeah, that's really. Others. Yeah, I haven't either. I mean, I think they like here. I noticed that it's a. And so when, I'm, when we're criticizing these people, I'm assuming we're criticizing the lawmakers themselves and the politicians, but the actual base, like they are so identified with this lifestyle, this country music, church, Republican Party lifestyle. That's what it is. Guns. Yeah. It's guns across, you know. It's a whole, There's, you're right, it's a whole community culture around all these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a kind of a cult now. But it's definitely a lifestyle that um, they choose <laughs> to use their <laughs> It's a lifestyle choice. They have the right to choose, yeah. too, don't they? They do. They yeah. do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up by just telling that you guys. Both, but, well, but also the audience. There's a very funny story out in The Washingtonian by Jessica Sidman. And she got her hand on the protocol sheet for Donald Trump's meals at uh, Trump Tower in D.C. And everything the waiters are supposed to do. And for example, they're supposed to come up and um, uh, wait, standard operating procedure. As soon as Trump was seated, the server had to, quote, discreetly present a mini bottle of Purell hand hand sanitizer. This was long before COVID. Then they had to say good, good insert time of day here, like day, good afternoon, good morning. What is this? This is the protocol sheet for Trump Tower whenever Trump had meals there. Sorry, the servers God. and the, the manager had a protocol sheet written out. They had to secretly slip him Purell that no one else could see when he was seated. The first word you had to say to him, this is the dialogue. Good day, Mr. Pre- or good night, Mr. President. Would you like your Diet Coke with or without ice? That was the first thing you had to say. And then they had the, the drinks prepared. The glass was on ice. Just what in case the scoops? Well, that's, that comes later for the dessert thing. Um, you had to come. You had to come and hold the Coke in the bottom third of your of the bottle, hold the glass in the bottom third of the glass. Um, the uh, shrimp cocktail. He always had the same thing: shrimp cocktail, well done steak, and fries. And as you were saying, Cliff, sometimes apple pie or chocolate cake for dessert. There you go. <laughs> Wait, listen to this. Making it uh, uh, had oh, oh the double, yeah, the double for popovers. Popovers had to be served within two minutes, and crustaceans had to be served immediately. Meaning shrimp, I guess. Um, he oh, you had to open the Heinz ketchup bottle in front of him so he could hear it pop. Garnishes were a no no. Melania, I'll stop after this. this. Is too good. Melania Trump once sent back a Dover sole because it was dressed with parsley and chives. <laughs> um. Oh, my God. Wait, this is the best one. And Trump himself. Ne- this is the classic. Trump himself never returned to plate. But if he was disappointed, you bet you'd hear about it. Like the time Trump questioned why his dining companion had a bigger steak. The, the, the guy oh working God. there says it was the same steak. Both well done. Maybe it was half an ounce bigger or something. I don't know. 
the chef had always prepared a bone-in ribeye or filet mignon for Trump. After Steakgate, he switched to a 40-ounce <laughs> tomahawk. Trump would never again gripe that he didn't have the greatest, hugest, most beautiful steak. Can you fucking... Can you imagine this guy? Imagine him sitting there and complaining about the size of his steak versus the, and being the guy next to him. Like, what are you, your steak's bigger. Can you imagine? You'd be like, what's wrong with you? This guy was always meant to be a North Korean leader. He just was. I mean, it's not shocking. They they thought they were royalty. I mean, I think they've always aspired to that so much. And they kept trying to make it happen. But honestly, his little Beverly Hillbilly Kennedy's. Total. I mean, this is just such. Tra- oh. It's so trashy so to trash. treat for. really oh, hard. I mean, again, and I, I don't know that we're supposed to use that word, but I, I don't care. They're just the trashiest, most gauche, gross. I mean, they're just a, they're just you a big pile of trash. Tacky. Yeah. Just. Could you so imagine tacky. telling? I mean, could you imagine going to a dinner? Any of us guys. You're sitting at dinner. You both get steaks, and you literally turn to the waiter and go, "Why is his steak a little bigger than mine?" I mean, no, again, yeah, no, I can't even imagine. This is. I mean, I would can't. actually. Yeah. I would stand, get up, and leave if I was with somebody who said that to a waiter. I, yeah. I just can't. I mean, that's the whole thing: is you judge yeah. the people you're with by how they treat yeah. waiters and waitresses. Yeah. And hello. <laughs> Well done, Mr. Trump. We all know who you are. Well, and you know it wasn't like the steak was half the size. Sure. If you've got six shrimp and I've got three shrimp, I'm going to say to the waiter, hey, we got the same dish. Why do I have three shrimp? Yeah. (laughs) But in Trump's case, they literally said it was the same goddamn steak. And Trump just wanted to be a jerk about no, it. It's, 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 but isn't it, isn't that consistent with everything else we know about him? Yeah. You know, the whining. Yeah, he's treated very unfairly. The most unfairly of anybody. I mean, everything is that he's an emotional baby. That he's, he's in the baby. phase that most of us who've seen children, he's in the phase. I mean, again, I've got a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old now, and they are so far beyond that phase. Like, it's really in the eight, it's in the sort of four to sort of six or seven range. It's like he never oh. moved north of that emotion. Kids with their toys, Cliff, right? Young kids with their toys. Yeah. Who get mad and like, uh, you know, and they, they want to take a toy just because you want it. Not because they like, actually want it. This piece of pie is bigger. Because the other kid wants it, right? Yeah. That's the, he never Why? emotionally got beyond I mean, that. Ca- counting out French fries. I mean, I've got nieces and nephews, but I also remember <laughs> being a kid. Counting out French fries. I mean, all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> like, you guys, Go ahead. Don't you think there's also the side of this that's all about his masculinity? Yes. Oh, and there's he feels so weak and so pathetic. Yeah. The, the bone yeah. spurs. The not going yeah. to fight. Yeah. The small hands. Sarah, he's, I have he's, said, he's scared of everything, so he lashes out. Yeah. I have said for yeah, a long exactly. time, there's something about this guy's masculinity that we don't know about. And what I mean is his tastes, as a gay man, his tastes are totally gay. His hand gestures are totally gay. The way he talks, the inflection of his voice, he's, he's actually very flamboyant as it goes. He's not like a, a gruff, tough guy. A gruff, tough guy is like what's-his-face who was the attorney general who he hated, Bill Barr, right? Bill yeah. Barr's kind of got that masculine blah, blah, blah thing. Like Dick Cheney. Donald Trump, Dick Cheney, Donald yeah. Trump is like an effete. His tastes, his tastes are, you know, Liberace mixed with Saddam Hussein. There's something. <laughs> I would hope that nobody gay with good taste would want that. Well, no, but people get upset with me when I say this, but there's an incredibly gay side to this guy. And I say this as a gay man, but it's, I don't know what it is. And I think. I don't know if it's front, John. It, I don't know. No, but it, but it fits in. It fits in with I his. Know. 
his need to therefore be hyper masculine and everything else. And it's just, it's, it's one more psychosis this guy's got. I totally, I don't know about, I mean, cause you know, you're speaking to that. So I don't I'm expect not, you to call him gay. It's okay. I, yeah. I'm going to say though, that as a woman, my, so yeah. we all have our different takes on this. Right. And I think that one is, you know, I can see all the points you're making, especially his, the whole Liberace thing. There's but, a flamboyance there. That's weird. Yes. Yes. It is very weird. And Oh, he also holds his teacup with, um, the finger up. That, that finger up, yes, which I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Actually, I was taught that. You know what? I, I do it and I can't help it because I was taught that as a kid. And I, I was I taught that too. Doing that. Yeah. I was taught that too, but it, it looks a little weird on him. Well, you, know what? you don't. I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah. Oh, it's no. I'm just saying. It. It's the yeah, way he does it. Yeah, he's got this mafia because, personality and then just you, do that yeah. is weird. Yeah. It's just to cut a you off because what you're supposed to do with the teacup, what I had learned was, and I'm even like pretending right now, picking up your pinky goes out a little bit. Your pinky doesn't go to right. attention like an erection or something. That's right. not how you hold a teacup. That's probably the way he does it. This forced, weird, Beverly Hills Billy chic way of doing it, rather than it just your pinky's like out a little bit. I know it's funny. I I learned this because you know mom was good about teaching us manners, I guess, but you know. I don't know. He doesn't have any manners. So that's what makes no. it so weird is he's a man without manners. He's just this. Actually, that's a good title of a book right there, too. The Man Without Manners. Yeah. Well, it's a nice way of putting how gross Very nice. It's a way too nice for him. Yeah. But then underneath that, I mean, it also goes to speak to his the uh, sexual assaults that he just grabbing women the way they describe that he does this i've had men do that to me and they're always the same kind of men and he is one of those men a man who wants to be more than he is a man who has issues with his dad i could go on and on but it's like you know it is a a a characteristic of that is well identified by us (laughs) can i ask you it's not so it's not necessary because like stereotypically i might have thought or naively, whatever, that it was, uh, like even Trump, like it's a bravado man who thinks he's 10 times bigger. Not that he's afraid he's 10 times less than he is, but he thinks he's 10 times bigger than he is. Uh, Let me compare this to my dog, okay? I've got a little dog. She's 10 pounds. And I had always read about the Napoleon complex with small dogs. That's not what it is. She will absolutely go at other dogs sometimes when she's on the leash, but I've learned with her, it's fear. She barks and she lunges because she's saying, get away, and then she'll come and hide behind me. Mm-hmm. In other words, she's a little dog is what you're saying. Well, no, but it's quite uh, – but I'm, a, I'm sort of extrapolating back to what you were saying is people sometimes misinterpret it as being, oh, no, they don't know how small they really are. They think they're hot shit. Uh-uh. They know they're nothing, and there's this preemptive get away from me to sort of make you think they're something when they're actually terrified. You know, this goes to Trump's whole, I have a little dog as well, but he thinks he's security. And I I, no, he will, he never comes and hides. He will lunge at large dogs and, and everyone in the neighborhood makes, they all smile and they seem, oh, you're security, you know, because he's so cute. Um, But, but what Trump has is, is, you know, and I'm just going to say what psychiatrists and psychologists have said, he has such a fragile ego that he cannot take in reality about himself ever. And so he's built up the thing where he thinks he is that big dog. Um, but some side inside of him, he knows that he's this little dog. I mean, he knows that he took his dad's money and, right. you know, 
frittered it all away because he's bad at what he does. He, he knows all that. He knows he has to push himself on women and they don't want him. So he has to push harder and then just do whatever he's going to do. Um, I don't think that someone like that, well, I mean, he doesn't deal with reality well, but I, I think somewhere in there, he, he knows, or he is hiding from himself, the, the reality that he's so uh, grotesque to people and right. that he is this little man right. who's done nothing. Right. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. The mushroom theory. I know we took the we took the fun stuff and we got serious again. We do that sometimes. Damn it. <laughs> um, any well, closing yeah. closing thoughts? Well, I my closing thought is that I hope that the six uh, one commission is able to get to some truth and somebody somewhere who's in charge of this actually is held accountable because it doesn't look like that right now. And I think we're all in big trouble. Sorry to lead it on, leave on that note. But you mean the commission looking into the insurrection? Yes. Okay. No, I mean I've oh, had that I said, at the top of my. You said six, six one. 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 You meant one oh, sorry. six. I meant one, six. one yeah. six. Oh, you're so yeah. you know she's so cosmopolitan, Cliff. She mixes the month and the day like the European. Yeah, I'm yeah, doing yeah, the European thing. <laughs> I mean, to me, I, look, I, and I've said that a lot. I mean, I'm not going to go yeah. into it, but I had that, I, which is history's pretty clear about all this stuff. You know, it's that when the culture, democratic cultures erode when they're not protected and, and preserved and when there aren't sort of punishments, whether they be social punishments, whether they be legal punishments, others for straying from them. And at this point, if any of these guys had played any role in, you know, and we're suspicious they did in helping this thing out, they have to go to prison. But the fact that it's already bad enough that every single one of them that we know encouraged it. Cruz and Holly and whatever have not even been censured in any way. There's just been no acknowledgement that they did something that was way beyond the pale. And if that doesn't happen at some point, either legally, politically, culturally, and in some way, then I, I fear for a democracy. I mean, I don't like ending on that note, but I'm not really sure what else to say. Yeah. That's my fault, and I totally agree with you. So I'm sorry I ended it on this dire note. Oh, no. Do you should we go back to the, John? We, every time that this happens, we oh. end on this. I try to remember the story of the Scottish fuck you parrot. Do you remember that? I, I, uh, vaguely, yes. Oh, come on. That was our best story ever. That parrot that like that escaped from somebody's house and apparently belonged to somebody who had taught it how to curse. And the fireman in the Scottish town kept trying to grab it. And he kept saying, fuck you, fuck you, and flying away. Right. So, <laughs> in case, see, we got Sarah to laugh. So if you're out there, if you know, you don't yeah. remember the fuck you parrot, think about that. We should probably Can we send that back parrot to, to these Republicans? See, we're full, full, full circle now. <laughs> fuck you. Well, it actually be Scottish, yeah. too. So it must be uh, like, fuck you, man. Or whatever. <laughs> well, whatever That's the Scottish great. do. Yeah. Yeah. Very funny. All right. I well, like thank it. you for joining us. This was fun. How do people go and find you? I'm on Twitter at Politicus Sarah and on PoliticusUSA.com. So, well, can I just tell you, I, and I'm sure I'm not the first, I always thought it was like Politics US or Politics USA. No, everyone thinks that because it, it's so hard to say. It's, and, you know, I get this all the time and I'm like, it's, it's like Politic US is what it is. Yeah. Politic yeah, it's Politicus, but it's yeah. sort of, yeah. yeah. I didn't know it. So I hope I'm saying it right. Politicus is just fine. That's what I say. Like um, Leviticus, but much better. But like Leviticus <laughs> yeah. without all the angry God stuff. Well, but yeah, it's, exactly. but it's much more positive. Yeah. <laughs> Less judgmental. You're, you're a lightning bolt from God. 
is what we're saying. <laughs> Actually, people yeah. could spell it that way, though, if you said politicus, like Leviticus, but less judgmental. You could I use could. that. <laughs> That's a good Actually, I think here's I what I will say. I, I'm in there. It's a great site. They have a lot of great commentary. You guys should go and check it out. Yep. Uh, and Sarah is obviously great at what she does. So follow her on Twitter and go find Politicus or Leviticus or whatever. No, I'm just kidding. Go find Politicus USA and read about it. Read what they have to say. It's good stuff. All right. Thank Thanks, you guys Sarah. so much for having me. Thanks so much. Thanks for being here, Sarah. <laughs> have a Oh, that was fun. Um, <laughs> I like yeah, at least we ended on somewhat of a funny thing. All right, guys. We had been, we, you know, can I just say, too, like we took a little poll of folks and the uh, – Cliff, the poll, there was there were one or two people who agreed with me that they like shorter podcasts. Everybody else was like, oh, my God, I want long. You guys are hardcore. We're, we'll do, you know, we we respect the views of our fans. Oh, um, so we, let me throw out one thing, though. It is self-selecting audience. The people who subscribe to a long podcast like a long podcast. No, that's true. You know, but, but that's hey, who you guys are. And you're our, you're what's known as our base. You so we're going to keep our base so. happy. <laughs> oh, you don't pay. I mean, it's not too much of a bill. The subscriptions pay, but nonetheless, you pay the bills. So I'm, I'm happy to keep it at this length. Um, all right, Cliff, let's sign off. And then, uh, as always, back Monday or Tuesday, depending on the news cycle. Alrighty. All righty. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. Take care. Bye, guys. Stay warm, please. Burr.